The Gospel reading is from the Gospel of John. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John, in chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went with the, to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Father, on this day, we pray that we would be re-energized, reinvigorated, struck once again uh, by the power of this story. And we thank you for our sakes that it's true. Amen. Uh, yesterday, uh, we were in a, a nice sunny pub just near Lewis, and uh, quite a loud or conversation could, I could hear from another table. And there was some discussion about what the plans were for the weekend. And one said to the other, well, you know, of course, it's Easter, isn't it? Uh, to which the other said, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten who still celebrate it quite uh, seriously. And to which the other said, 
Well, yeah, I suppose, but meh. I think that's a word. I think it means... <laughs> but it's about not knowing or not holding on to or not considering something to be of value. And yet we have this fantastic account. Uh, we have this wonderful story. And we want to hold on to it and be refreshed by it once again. Um, I'm not going to use any uh, lots of clever slides. I just want to think uh, this year... I want to think about Mary. Last year, I spent quite a lot of time talking about John and Peter, but I want to think about Mary this year from this story, uh, and I want you to place yourself in her shoes. Mary has got quite a long history uh, with Jesus. She has heard, listened, and tried to obey his teaching. At some point, she was healed by him. Uh, the Bible recounts that she had seven demons, a lot of illnesses, a lot of things going on for her, quite a profound uh, and difficult transition and change in her. She followed Jesus. She was struck by the things he said to the point that he became her teacher and she became his follower. She had made that decision too. She financially supported Jesus. Luke's gospel tells us that a group of, of women were prepared to give to that she was at his crucifixion. She saw uh, the nails. She saw him die. She saw the earthquake when he died. She was there. She saw them take down his body. She saw them bury him in the tomb. She observed, it's written in the gospels, she observed the tomb to which they laid him, in which they laid him to rest. And now, on the Sunday morning, what we call the first day of the week, uh, she came to anoint Jesus' body with spices. There had not been enough time because of the Passover on what we call Friday. And she arrives and she finds the stone uh, rolled away. It's quite a poignant reminder this morning that we'd had the stone across the tomb on Good Friday. I had to remind myself, that's not there anymore. That has no power anymore. Let's roll that back. And so she comes to the tomb. And she finds this stone is rolled away. And she runs back to the other disciples. Uh, she tells them they have taken away the Lord. Peter and John uh, then run and arrive at the tomb. Peter and John go in, finding the tomb empty, except for the linen cloths he had been buried in, and the head cloth neatly folded to one side. They then dash off back to their homes. We don't know why they did this. We don't know why they... <laughs> Frankly, we're trying to work this out. Never mind you. Out we go. Off we go. But... <laughs> but they go. They, they, and they leave Mary there. It's fascinating. She has told them. And then they don't, want to, they don't know what to make of it yet. And we tell, we're told in John's Gospel, they didn't understand yet. And then so we find Mary just just outside the tomb. And she's looking in. She's outside looking in. Two angels she sees, and they ask her, why is she weeping? And she explains again, they have taken away my Lord. Not the Lord, my Lord. There's, a, there's an interest here. This was a relationship I had. And it's gone. It seems to be broken. And the they that she refers to we suppose uh, is uh, Jesus' opponents that amongst the Jewish leaders were those who wanted him uh, got rid of, silenced, uh, dealt with, disposed of, and they took extreme lengths to make sure it happened. And what they wanted to do was make sure that the disciples couldn't make a claim that he had risen from the dead 
Because if they said, here's an empty tomb, they would be able to say, well, that's okay, we've got the body, you're making it up. They wanted to secure the tomb and make sure that that couldn't happen. They wanted to make sure it was a safe, it was an insurance against claims that the disciples would have Jesus' body. I don't know if you saw this week that um, today's top password for over 23 million uh, online accounts is 123456. The next most important password is 123456789. Some people just use QWERTY and some people use password and some just put seven ones in a row. I suspect that even if the tomb had had electronic security devices, it would still have been crackable. <laughs> However, it would not have been a barrier to God. But one thing that's important detail to note but with John's account is that the headcloth is folded separately to one side. It's important. What grave robber would waste their time doing that? That's assuming they could have overpowered the Roman guards that were left to protect the grave. Nevertheless, here we are. Mary, in her grief, they've taken away my Lord. What is going to happen now? And she turns to someone who she thinks is the gardener. A lot of important things happen in gardens in the Bible. Beginning is a garden. The end is a garden. Big tree. It's important. And here is a gardener where Jesus' body has been taken to. And he speaks to her. She is concerned. She wants to know what has happened. And she hasn't recognized that it is the Lord. Until Jesus says to her, Mary. I think the most important, one of the, there's only two things I want to talk about today. And the first is that death doesn't break our relationship with God. Our relationship with God survives death. It survived his death, it will survive ours. It's so important to hold on to that. We can lose sight of it sometimes. That we are still known and loved, even beyond what was Jesus' grave. It is not the end. He calls her by name. I can't imagine what that felt like. I can't imagine the turmoil, frankly, that she was in. The fear that she was feeling. The thoughts that are running ahead of her about what has happened. The fear that that then compounds. The stress that she must have been under in this moment. What has gone on? And yet into this situation, into this turmoil, he speaks her name, Mary. How often is it when you hear your name that that brings some kind of comfort? Everything that was going on for her, he, he calms with one word, her name. And it must have been ju not just what he said, but how he said it. She must have heard his voice thousands of times. And in that moment, she just needed to hear his voice again. It's his voice that makes sense. It helps us understand. It's the way he speaks. Because Jesus said in his, own, in his own talks, he said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. They hear my voice. They know it's me and it changes them. They, they can put their trust in my voice. And when she recognized his voice, she calls him 
Rabboni, teacher. It's him. That relationship is restored. She remembers this is the one. Here it is. It is, I recognize you now. It's very strange. In the Gospels, the uh, resurrection appearances uh, have this sort of strange quality to them that Jesus isn't instantly recognizable. He's not instantly recognized here. He's not instantly recognized on the road to Emmaus. He's not even instantly recognized when he's cooking up fish for the fishermen, his disciples, on the beach. It's only one chapter further on. He doesn't seem, it's, a, it's really important, but it gives me confidence. He speaks, and he knows their names. He speaks to them because he knows who they are, because that relationship, that bond has been made. That relationship has been forged, and death can't break it. And I hope that that's an encouragement to all of us, because it underlines the importance of relationship with God, to God, how important it is to him. We don't pass, you see. We don't pass into some other state. We don't come back as something else. We are who we are, because he made us, and he still knows us as who we are. He doesn't lose sight of us. He doesn't let go of us. And nothing can break it. What God makes, he will keep hold of. And I hope it's important to us that if we're known by God, it should help change us. It can help change who we are. It can help remind us that whatever's going on for us, whatever's going on for us, God is there and he wants to speak to you and he can speak to you about it. And Mary was hugely comforted when Jesus met her at the tomb and we can be comforted when we meet him and he speaks to us. He knows who we are. He loves us and he doesn't want to let go. The second thing I want to say is is a bit more difficult uh, but I hope I can make some sense of it. Uh, In verse 17, if you've got a Bible open in front of you, Jesus says this curious phrase, do not hold on to me for I have not yet returned to the Father. Don't hold on to me right now. I'm on my way to the Father. And some people have interpreted this that Jesus couldn't be touched or Jesus couldn't be, you know, some way he was still not fully physical and what have you. But there's more going on here. There's more going on because we see what he makes of her claim, her cry, Rabboni, teacher. The thrust behind what Jesus is saying is stop holding on to me rather than don't start holding on to me. So having recognized who she is, we presume that she's she's thrown herself at him, she's clinging to him in her joy. And that is a wonderful thing to do. What a privilege to be able to do, to say, thank goodness, you're, you're back. Thank God, you're back. But there's something else going on here. We see that Jesus is moving on. That Jesus has returned, but he's not returning to come and do the same as he did before. Having conquered the grave, having paid for sin and brought forgiveness to all those who would want it, he's got new things to do. And there's this element in which what Mary says, Rabboni, teacher, and holding on to him, Yes, I've got my teacher back, but actually he's more than that. And sometimes we can hold on to 
yes, that's who we've got. That's what we've got. But Jesus wants to show her and give her more. And so the second thing is, yes, Jesus knows who you are, but who you are when you meet with the risen Jesus will change. Who you are changes when you realize that sin had a cost, but Christ paid it for you. And that's important because it should shift who we are. We don't return to the old life. Jesus didn't. He carried on. He followed his father's purposes. And he gives her new things to do. Mary is yet to see the ascension. She's yet to see the events of Pentecost when God's Holy Spirit was poured out upon his people that they might know that he lives in them and that they are in him. That's his goal to bring people to him by living in them so that he could bring them to him one day. And so she has this deeply ingrained uh, sense of Jesus as Rabboni, teacher. And Jesus is saying, yes, but more. It's been opened up. I want you to do new things now. Go and tell my brothers. Go and tell them what's happened. Jesus gives Mary new purpose. We changed in two ways. We change by our, if you like, our our, our content. Who we are, when we come to the risen Christ, who we are can change. What's going on inside is shifted because we now live in the prospect of things can be dealt with. Things have been dealt with. Things have been forgiven. I can move on. I can grow, I can change, I can be transformed, I can cope, I have hope. Those are all things apart that the resurrection brings us because that's the content of what Jesus has done for us. But he also changes our situation or our condition, if you like. Look what he says before he sends her away. I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. It's not just a new commission or a new role she's been given. She's been given, like us, a new place, a new status. She she is included in this, this phrase, my God and your come oh so much deeper. Before the crucifixion, God was somebody that only one person a year could go into the temple and and sit before and pray before. But now Jesus has opened the way so that God can be your God. And the relationship between God and his people is so rich and deep that like a perfect father, as he was to Christ, he is a perfect father to us. My father and your father. Believers are now included in a deeper, richer, more vibrant, life-giving relationship with God that was once considered the privilege of just a few. To live in his presence, to be the people he's called us to be, and to be at one with him, just as Jesus is one with him now. So the gospel changes us. The resurrection changes us. It changes Because not only are we known for who we are, but we are given new identity. We were followers and believers, and we can become children and people in whom God lives. So we give thanks on Easter Day for all that it means to us. 
And if that's something meh, I'm not sure. I don't know what it means. I would dearly love to speak with you. I would dearly love to hear what you think. And I would dearly love to show you the truth and the fullness of the life that Christ has won for each of us if we just reach out and say yes. Amen.